You're listening to Stealing the Blinds, a weekly poker podcast by students of the game for students of the game. Join Dell and guests in conversations about poker theory and bridging the gap between theory and application. We're all in this together. This week's topic, ethics, round three. Hello, everybody. We are going to do something a little different today. We're, we're talking about ethics again, and we're talking about, we're going to also add some etiquette in there. And uh, we're talking about this again because of the now infamous Jack Forehand between Robbie and Garrett. Really, the only reason I wanted to take in, uh, come on, by the way, I'm here with Jordan Sweet this week. This is a, this is a thing. We always tend to come at these things very differently. And I think we have different viewpoints here also. From my perspective, I think mine is in a minority opinion, and I think that that's why I want to share it. I don't think it's being heard that much, and maybe some people will agree with it. Maybe my biggest thing is I want to at some point touch base on how poker Twitter has just been absolutely awful. I can promise you this will not be a 12-hour podcast. We'll leave that sort of stuff to Joey Ingram. He's better at it. Yeah. Jordan, how are you doing this week? I am pretty good. It is officially winter here. We had our first uh, freeze and I saw the news. Uh, there was first snowfall in Michigan. That always tricks me up though, because up in the UP, it's kind of like a separate state, but it's still Michigan. So it they will be like, oh, there's a you know blizzard hit Michigan or snow hit Michigan. And I'm like, oh, I don't see any, but I, it's like eight hours up north. Leaves are changing, which I always enjoy. How are you doing lately? First of all, I want to just clarify for some people who are not from Michigan. The UP is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so yeah, and it's it's cold up there. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I just, you know, I was telling you uh, before we came on, I just had an awesome interview that's going to come out next week. It's going to come out after this one. Very excited for our listeners to hear that. But I'm very disappointed in poker Twitter, and that's really where I, I want to talk about. So what I want to do is I want to get Jordan's opinion on the information that's come out on the Jack forehand. And then I want to give my opinion on it. And uh, we're going to have a little back and forth on it. And we may even talk about a couple other things that deal with etiquette and, and uh, ethics. So, Jordan, uh, what, what's your stance on what's gone on over the last week? Well, to me, first of all, I think there's kind of a gap in maybe understanding or empathizing where parties are coming from. And I mean, I'm a pretty big Garrett Adelstein fan. So uh, I never really heard of Robbie before this uh, incident happened. So I'll just get that right out of the way. I'm for sure a little bit biased. But immediately, the initial reaction from a lot of people was, whoa, well, he just got owned by her insanely awesome call. And he's just being a spoiled brat. And then Garrett kind of looks bad because he comes out in public and just immediately accuses her of cheating without presenting all of the information that informed his own decision. But I think the the opinion of, well, he just got owned by this insanely awesome Jack High call. Anyone who uh, has studied a lot of the game immediately thinks like, well, how did she know? Like there's, that's just so messed up because there's a lot of stuff that goes into reasoning that would make that a good call. And for me, it's like, you have to pick a side of the fence. And some people are saying, well, she's just made a mistake. She doesn't know what she's doing. My general opinion is that I think the 
exploding up in the Twitterverse, I think has a lot more to do with just people trying to have something to talk about than actually trying to get down to like solving a problem. I think that what I see is a clear division here. I think that there are people who play a lot of low stakes poker and it wouldn't surprise them for somebody to call with jack four off and use some excuse like, well, I had jack, I had a blocker, you know. Now, I think that a studied player is going to look at that and say, well, that's not a very good blocker. That's not. And somebody's going to say, well, she thought she had a three. She thought she had a pair. And the thing is that even a studied player is going to say, OK, well, she thought she had a pair, but it's bottom pair. And what is that doing against Garrett's range there? And it's not doing very well against his range there. I think that what I'm seeing more and more here is a clear division between players that play at lower levels and players that play at upper levels. You're going to see a lot of players at upper levels say, well, she must be cheating. And it's what it is, is it's thought projection. I'm going to think, I'm going to put my thinking in, into your head. That, that's what I believe is happening. And so I don't know. All right. I don't know. That's the clear thing I need to say here. Everybody wants to say, well, this means she was cheating or this is evidence. People say, well, Garrett came out with his report there and and, and that proves she was cheating. No, no. All that was things that Garrett saw or believes. And that doesn't mean that he's wrong. OK, you know, it doesn't mean she's innocent, but it also doesn't mean she's freaking guilty either. <laughs> OK, you know, and I keep seeing people take things that are non-evidence and saying they're evidence. So how does that tie to ethics? Because, well, it's unethical <laughs> to claim something is evidence that isn't. Oh, she 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 didn't press charges. That's evidence she was in collusion with them. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Is it something that is part of the puzzle? Maybe, but it's not evidence. So we have all this non-evidence that people are claiming is evidence. What we have here, in my opinion, is we have a bad player. And she may have cheated. Being a bad player does not mean she didn't cheat, but I don't see any evidence of her cheating at this. I don't I don't see any evidence that conclusively makes her innocent either. She's a bad player because, quite frankly, you can't say I've got a jack of clubs, therefore I've got a blocker to your, you having a flush. Yeah, it's a blocker to a flush, but you're not blocking enough of that flush. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not blocking, you know. Well, I got. I thought I had threes. Well, that's not a good enough bluff catcher in that situation, you know, and a good player is going to know that. Now, I saw something that said that it was GTO, correct? No, <laughs> I, I don't buy it. You know, it's it was a bad call by a bad player. Now, if she was cheating, it was still a bad call because that was an awful lot to put on the line for some very thin equity. Right. What I see is ascribing meaning to a lot of things that are probably just coincidences. And we do this all the time in poker and in life. And I think that's mostly what we see in this situation is Garrett even is very upset. So he says what he says, maybe without really thinking through what the purpose is. And one of my questions that I have is like, what does he stand to gain from coming out with all this immediately, as opposed to if he just got up from the table, walked away, and then had a sit down with the, the people that he knows runs the stream, you know, and just did it kind of in a less public way to say, hey, can you look into this? I, I'm worried about these three people. Instead, he came out and it, it's possible that he just did that because he was kind of overwhelmed with the emotion of it. And I don't really know what, what anyone stands to gain other than just identifying, flagging someone and saying, 
hey, they're accused now. And I've, I've had friends say, well, allegations of cheating can, you know, ruin someone's life. They're cut out of games completely. Like, he, it's not like we're, we're solving the poker problem of stopping people from ever being able to cheat again. You know what I mean? And the, the same with the, the flip side is there's, there's a lot of connecting dots that don't really exist. So I did not see anything that had said that that might be a GTO correct play. But the problem there is in that moment, maybe sure you could like tweak a computer to say that this is the correct spot, but that, that computer, if it's playing correctly, would never be in there through that route that, that the hand took calling preflop and then rate, you know, calling the flop and then raising the turn like that, that would just never make any sense. So then to say, well, now that you've made all these mistakes to get to the point that you're at the absolute perfect uh, answer to this spot where you make no mistakes is to, is to call whatever. So it's like, how can you be playing perfectly if the way that you got there was making a bunch of mistakes to even get to that point. So it's like ascribing a lot of meaning to things that don't really make sense with one, one another, but they coincidentally, I could see them just happen. And personally, I, I feel like it could go both ways because it, initially my first thought was, well, it was just a mistake. Um, but then information comes out and it was like, well, it is a pretty coincidental mistake. And uh, just knowing kind of what could go on with the uh, electronic devices, um, I, I think it's possible that it could go either way. So I have trouble finding a, an actual opinion. And that's rough for me because I usually tend to be like, really confident in, in what I think is happening in a situation. And I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. One of the things that I believe, like when you look at the things that have been said, if Robbie was aware of her actual skill level, and I don't think she is. And, and if she listens to this, I'm sorry, Robbie. Uh, from what I saw, you're not a very good player. All right. And if we're aware of our skill level, we say in that situation, well, I, I didn't know any better. Right. If she said, I didn't know any better. I thought I was making a good call. Are we where we're at, right? But there's all these justifications, which, you know, you and I both know is what happens when a player is not very good. You come up with a lot of justifications for bad plays. I've been beaten by Jack Four off, by the way, <laughs> in one two game and in a two five game. And listen, people play it and people play it like Robbie did, but they're not good players. Calling with the hand there, not a good play. Um, calling pre flop with it, not a good play. There's literally nothing in there. When you look at it, you're talking about one of the best cash game players in the world. And he gets to the river, and I'm going to guess he's not may not have it the perfect amount of bluffs when he gets there, but he's got the right, pretty close to the right amount of bluffs there. And I'm going to tell you that when he's bluffing there, well, he wasn't really bluffing because he's he's going all in on the turn. He's got a lot of equity, and he's a favorite to win the hand a lot of times. Yeah, so his initial explanation as to why he thought it didn't make sense was in response to what she said at the table. And to back it up even further, I don't think we can put a lot of weight into what she said at the table. And But what happens is, as you mentioned to start, is you have players who don't really understand maybe the thought process that, that should be going back and forth in that pot, like playing with stacks that deep. But Garrett is thinking, okay, he's watched uh, all the footage of her previous sessions and he knows that she folds a lot when the real money's on the line and she was folding and overfolding often for smaller bets with with stacks that are much shallower. And now here she is at like stack depth of, of 10 times deeper and she's just going to call off with like a, a an unpaired bluff catcher. So he thinks that, you know, given her strategy and approach that she's going to be disciplined enough to stick with what she does. And I mean, just last night, 
I, I lost a ridiculous hand. I opened uh, like 150 preflop and someone called with a, a 200 and something stack. So they called 150 and left themselves less than 150 behind. And then they just called the flop with, with two overs. So, you know, stuff like that just happens and people, you know, spaz a little bit. And that's, you know, part of maybe a good strategy is just setting yourself up for places where you can catch someone spazzing and then you, you get to win in that spot. So he's kind of like trying to apply a rationale to something that someone did irrationally. But then her response, I'm assuming, is to save face because she's very well aware that what she did in the moment was like pretty irrational. I mean, she even seemed kind of confused when they went to showdown, whatever. I'm not going to try and assume what people were thinking, but I think it's wrong for Garrett to then say, well, she has a pattern of this and this fell out of her pattern. I mean, people can just spaz and fall out of their pattern all the time. But then people are taking what she says at the table and saying, well, because she said this, it means these things. So now she tries to say something that makes it seem as if she has good reason for what she did. And now doubling back to the things not lining up, if she's trying to say that she had good reason for what she did, and this is what frustrates me a little bit, is that she seems to not be uh, truthful in, in saying at the table that maybe she made a mistake. And I think she came out later in an interview and said, well, I'm, I thought I had a three and I made a mistake, but like at, at the table, when it's kind of embarrassing and you try and make up reasons for what you did, that's fine. But then she has the attitude of, well, it's money. I don't care about it. Like pick a side of the fence. You're either, you either don't care about it and you don't give a shit and it doesn't matter that you made a mistake, whatever, or you do care and you're trying to tell people why you did what you did because you you care enough that you need to explain it. I think that she may not care about the money. She might not care about the money, but she certainly cares about how she's perceived. And I think that one of the things that's upsetting is when people say she's not very good and that's why she goes out and says, well, I had a read on him. Well, no, if you had a read on him with Jack High, you don't, you're still not calling there, you know, because there's so many bluffs there that beat your your, your bluff catcher. So I think that she is very interested in how she's perceived. She cares very much about how she's perceived as a poker player. And listen, you know, some people might say that I'm jealous when I say that she's not very good because I'm not getting to play. They're absolutely right. I am very jealous. I would love to play in that game. I don't have the bankroll to do it. I don't have the backers to do it. Um, and I am jealous. I'm not even going to lie. That, that's my bit of honesty. My jealousy doesn't make her a better player. <laughs> you know, my jealousy doesn't suddenly make her uh, a good player. And it doesn't suddenly mean that she's cheating or that she's innocent. I think that when I look at it, I think that I think that Garrett does a lot of projecting of an extremely well-studied player, one of the most studied cash players in the world. And, you know, we cannot say stress that enough. This is this is a man that is extremely good at his profession. So I think he projects that thinking onto her. And I don't think that she's capable of, she's only been playing a year. Okay. I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah. Some people can get that good in a year, but most cannot, most cannot get that good in a year. So when I look at it, you know, are there unethical things going on, right? Is she doing something unethical? I think on some level there is, and and I'm going to ask you about this. All right. So do we even have this battle or this questioning if She's not being backed in that game by somebody else who's playing in that game. Is it ethical to be backed by somebody and then play in the same game with them? Right. That's a pretty good point. And one that maybe people just don't understand happens 
like all the time or a lot of times. And Phil Helmuth will go on live at the bike. And they when they have the Phil Helmuth, Mike Matisau, uh, he'll say right before the game starts so everyone knows. And it'll even be on the stream like, hey, I'm, I'm backing Mike. I'm backing this player. I'm backing this player. Phil will be backing like three players in the game. Typically, people don't care, though, because Phil's VPIP is like pretty low and he's not getting involved in like crazy multi-way spots with all those players. It can be perceived a little differently if you have two maybe wilder players that are going to be involved in, in pots very often with each other. The thing about collusion in that sense is it doesn't really matter when you look at the risk reward uh, lens of, of what is going on on the table. So if you have two players who are either going to soft play each other so they don't lose, well, now neither one of them stacks each other. So if you think you're better than both of them, they both retain their stacks on the table and you have twice as many opportunities to play a hand against someone that you're better, as opposed to one of them could lose chips to the other. And now you only get to play hands against like the one person. So let's just, you know, let's assume it's like an eight handed table and everyone's really good except these two players and you think you can beat them for whatever reason. So it's almost better that you have two of them there. You could look at the other way and say, well, if one had deeper stacks, you can play a deeper game with them. I'm just saying the collusion doesn't really change much. So then if they're doing the other version of it, which is like, well, we're going to play multi-way and then like push someone out of the pot. We're going to, we're going to do this thing where we raise and re-raise and get him to fold all his hands. Well, even if players are not colluding with each other, if you're sitting at a table and there are two aggressive players and you know that, you know, they don't know each other, there's no even question of collusion. You just know that these two players are maniac, aggressive players. You may just, as a response, tighten up and play a stronger range, and you might play less hands and you might win less hands, but when you do win, you're going to have like a super strong hand. If you're waiting till you have a better hand, there's nothing they can do, raise and re-raise each other. You're going to win an even bigger pot because you're going to get like two players all in trying to raise you off of your middle set, and then you stack them both in the same hand. So through the risk reward profile, the collusion of anything that happens on table, absent of people knowing information that shouldn't be available to them, which would be like access to whole card information, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't make that much of a difference. So when I know that players are staking other players, if it's to keep the game going, and I know there's nothing like underhanded happening where they might have access to information that other players don't, like if I think they're not like signaling each other for what their what their cards are then i think it's you know not a big deal so yeah i almost agree with everything you're saying i do i mean like you're, you're not wrong with what you're saying uh her being backed by another player in the game i do not think is unethical but herein lies the problem that we have is that those that don't understand the dynamics they look at it and that looks shady that looks shady and this is another one of the problems we're having people uh, espousing their opinions that she cheated. Well, you know, she's being backed by this guy and he's sending her signals. And all right, well, there's no evidence of that. There's no evidence of that. As of yet, there's no evidence. You know, who knows what's going to come out over the next week. But I think that what really is the problem with what you're saying, you're not wrong. You're you're not wrong. It's not often I say that to you, Jordan. (laughs) I think that it's a perception issue, right? And I think that's one of the things that's happening. When you look at it, people of late have complained about people being back in tournaments and being against each other. And, and should they have to announce that they've backed the person that they might end up at the same table with? It's a perception thing. You know, I know that you and I, uh, I, I know that you could back me and you and I would sit at a table and you and I would go at each other like 
if even if you didn't back me, you know what I mean? Because that is our nature. That is our opinion. But it is human nature oftentimes to soft play. And soft play is collusion. Now, is it collusion that might cause you to lose money? Well, I think it will if you don't understand the dynamics. But if you do understand the dynamics, it shouldn't affect you. And it's it's a perception issue. Yes. And in tournaments, that could be definitely a big deal when it rises to the level uh, that it has in some of the most recent scandals where players are told to take the line that favors the group as opposed to individually because they're all they're all sharing money. So since we have a lack of of controls to avoid that situation in poker, it comes down to a lot of professionalism and and being professional and then respecting someone else's uh, respecting that someone's going to approach the game professionally and not do anything wrong. So when you have Alex Fox and end up heads up with his wife and and they're you can see on the on the feed that they're clearly playing poker with each other like I don't think anyone questions their integrity or their professionalism. So in the most recent information that that comes out when Garrett writes about maybe a history that Robbie has and doing some things like trying to buy a stack for 5k doubling up and then never actually presenting the money like character comes into question and that becomes super important in in this game because we want to be able to trust each other and so a lot of it relies on are you approaching the game professionally so when you are acting kind of unprofessionally at the table you're just inviting those questions of well are they also doing anything that might be shady so some people have said that you know she did it for just the fame and there's a lot of conversation about it and i think someone who i was playing with someone who was like checking her insta was a fan of hers before even the feed started so she had 3000 followers on twitter and then overnight she had like gained 10000 followers or something i think that is another great example of like ascribing meaning to something that just can be coincidental so we were talking the other day i had mentioned if you're house gets robbed or, or something, a tornado comes through, whatever, and you're on the news and you promote your small business on the news. And then you do really well the next month because a lot of people see you on the news and they say, oh, well, I need window repair services or whatever. That's not like that means you planned the robbery or you planned whatever got you on the news. So this thing happens because she's doing what she's doing. And then the 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 confrontation blows up and it, and it goes all over social media. It's not like she plans it all beforehand saying, oh, well, I'm going to become a part of this confrontation and I'm going to get a, a bunch of followers overnight. But what people are saying is like, well, she she was just doing it to get the the publicity. Like two things can be true and they can be coincidental. And that is really the problem that I have with it is every time a new piece of information comes out, it needs to be just treated as a new piece of information. But what people are doing is trying to link it back to the beginning to, to piece together a puzzle that like potentially isn't even there yet. I think that really segues into the last part that I want to cover. Like when you know, you get somebody stealing chips off of her stack and she doesn't press charges and people say, oh, well, that must mean that she's in collusion with them. No, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. It means she didn't press charges. And then she came back and said she was going to press charges. And here's the thing. I think that I want to get on to this unethical BS that's happening on Twitter, the poker Twitter world. All right. Like this is literally off table ethics. Usually we talk about on table ethics. All right. So to accuse somebody, you know, I, I don't think that I want to say that Garrett's wrong to accuse her of cheating, but I think that I agree with something you said earlier, 
that if he goes behind the scenes and talks to people, says, I'm concerned about this, let's investigate this. I think that's much, much better than coming out publicly and say, saying that she cheated when there's not definitive concrete evidence. Here's the problem with accusing people of cheating without concrete evidence. It can ruin their lives. <laughs> you know, it can ruin their per poker careers. Now, I don't know if Robbie's really making a career out of poker, but if she was, whether she whether they come down later and say she's innocent or not, there's going to be people who, no matter what, are always going to believe she's a cheat. I think that both Garrett and Robbie have had to endure insults from people who aren't involved <laughs> and shouldn't be involved on both sides of this, putting them both down. There's been sexist comments made about Robbie. There's been sore loser comments made about Garrett. And there's been people that have accused him of misogyny because he, he got beat by a woman and that's his real problem. Well, no, that, that's not his real problem. You know, so I think all this crap is unethical. It's unethical and it's bad etiquette to be going out there and running your mouths about something that you don't know. There's no concrete evidence. There's not even a preponderance of evidence. Like with Mike Postle, there was such a preponderance of evidence that we could look at it and say, this guy's cheating, <laughs> you know, and and literally I have no problem. I feel no concern saying Mike Postle was cheating, but I'm not going to say that about Robbie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I don't even say it about Bryn, okay? And some might say there's a preponderance of evidence there. I don't think there quite is, and I don't think there's any concrete evidence there either. So you don't hear me saying, oh, he's a cheat. I might say I don't like the way he handled his interview with Joey. I think Joey tried to get him to answer some things that he sidestepped that, you know, make me wonder, why'd you do that? But it doesn't mean he's a cheat. Yeah, well, the problem I have talking about the accusations ruining someone's career is uh, regardless of the intention behind what happened or how it happened. If that is a concern for Robbie, there is a very easy way to get around that, which is just, I misread my hand and that's it. But she doubles down. And then since she doubles down, Garrett wants an explanation and she doesn't have a good explanation. So then the accusation comes, well, if you have no good reason, then the most likely in my mind is that you're cheating. And if that accusation ruins whatever poker career she's trying to create, the more professional or least destructive response from her is just, oops, my bad. I misread my hand. And then if she is cheating, she gets to just be like, oh, I was an idiot. I had a brain fart. Like I didn't know what happened right there. That was an accident. And then she gets to continue cheating, making a bunch of money. And then the fame just comes following her success. But instead, like it blows up to this, it blows up because of this like confrontation back and forth of, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I have a good reason for it. My reason doesn't make sense. I'm going back and forth on what my reasoning is. So like, I have an issue with the whole, the accusations will ruin her career. Cause like there's a, if that's what she cares about, there's a way around it. Yeah. I, I don't think that, I don't think you're correct. I think that if in that moment, in that, that first initial moment, she had said, I misread my hand. But I think that the problem with that is in that first initial moment, realizing you know, how she had played that hand, if she had misread it, she's going to be embarrassed. And she's came up with a lot of excuses. So I right. think that I think that you have some legitimacy with what you're saying. If in that very first moment, she's gone back and said she misread her hand. Right. But what I'm saying is there's a difference between 
the lacking a good answer and the attitude that continued on and on and on. Like even the day after going on Twitter, being like, I'll play Garrett heads up for, for however much, like everyone knows that's never going to happen. That the heads up live match one-on-one match is never going to happen. There's too much volume that needs to happen. I mean, Negreanu and Doug Polk did their heads up match and took forever. And they, they did it on poker stars two tabling. Like, I don't know if Garrett ever wants to put that much effort into it, even though he started his career as a heads up crusher, like his, his poker career started playing online, just heads up. And, you know, he was doing heads up, sit and goes and, and playing cash heads up, whatever. I don't know if she knows that. I don't know. People know they say that all the time though. You'll be in the casino two, five game, five, 10 game, whatever people will get in a hand kind of late night. And they'll say to each other, well, wh- let's play heads up. I'll play you heads up. Like the casino's never going to spread it. They're not going to commit a dealer that they have to pay to spread the game for just two people. And in order to actually play a heads up match, uh, people need to agree to like a hundred thousand hands or something for the the side of the professional to even care uh, enough about the long-term results to think that they're going to be able to, to pull out a win and sidestep any kind of short-term variance. So then to go out and say, well, I'll play him heads up like the day after it happened. You have enough distance from the event to think about, are these accusations of cheating, ruining my career, that kind of thing. That's where you, you have the distance to come back and say like, hey, look, my bad, like I overreacted, whatever. But instead it was just this like doubling down, doubling down on he can't handle that I'm better than him and blah, blah, blah. And then the same on his side, just doubling down on, look, uh, it, was, it was too shady. I, and he seemed kind of too confident for the lack of information. I just don't agree. <laughs> you know, no, the reason I don't agree is because uh, let's just take human psyche at, at its core. All right. People who don't know that they don't know <laughs> are the type of people that double down. They are the people that double down. They're the people that insist there was a legitimate reason for what they did. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect. All right. We're looking at this in this moment. When we look at how she is acting, it is the epitome of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I think I know how to play poker really well, even though I've only played for a year and there's only there's so much more I need to learn. I'm fortunate enough to be in a high stakes game that, all right, I'm in this game, so I must be good. No, <laughs> you, you know, there are a lot of people who play in that game that aren't good that have money. And that that's great. That's great, believe it or not, for TV. And it's great when they beat Garrett, okay? It's great for poker when they beat Garrett because it's proof that anybody can take and win at poker. But the people who don't know that they don't know think they're great poker players when that happens. They think they're really good poker players when that happens. That's not to put them down. Everybody is susceptible to this. You're susceptible to it. I'm susceptible. Everybody is. Because you don't know enough to know that you don't really know. So it's not, I'm not trying to insult her intelligence. I'm not trying to put her down. I'm trying to say she's got a lot more to learn about poker. And she may not realize how much more she has to learn about poker. (laughs) Okay. And in that area, she's going to believe her own justifications. Okay. So those justifications are not evidence. (laughs) And when you say that there's an easy way out, she may not recognize that there's an easy way out because in her mind, her way, she may believe that the way out is to say, well, yeah, I had blockers. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess where I'm coming from is that uh, her explanations don't seem 
solid enough to me and not solid as in like good reasoning. I mean, they don't seem solid as in they weren't cohesive or they didn't. It was a lot of like rambling and it wasn't like a one solid reason. So it's hard for me to understand or agree that she had a legitimate reason for what she was doing. I thought it sounded to me or it seemed to me that what she was saying was just random different bits of poker talk that didn't actually connect well, as opposed to if she said, well, I really thought this, 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 and this, and that's why I did it. And if I say, well, that makes no sense to me, that's fine. But at least the way she presents it, it's presented as a a coherent argument. But what I heard was, well, this, I also think this, maybe this, this, and then the next day it's like, well, I, I come back and I say this. And that's what I mean is it, it just seemed like there was a bit too much of that going back and forth all over the place. Okay. So, so I I've got you, I've got you. I, you, you can't escape this one. So I know you had a student at one point in time, I, I believe his name was Del Hamilton. Um, and he would sometimes argue shit that w- would you say that sometimes he had illogical arguments? Yeah, sure. Okay. Did did he believe that bullshit? Yeah, but what I'm saying, the difference is you might have said, well, I have eight outs here. So like I need to shove because fold equity and blah, blah, blah. And then I could say, well, given the texture or something, or if you if you don't think you have any fold equity, it doesn't make sense to to go for the bluff. What I'm saying is you you had a solid argument. Whether your argument is wrong or logical doesn't make doesn't matter. What I'm saying is you having a solid argument is okay. And then it's rational from your point of view. What I'm saying is I, what I heard were no solid arguments. I just heard a lot of random poker jumble. I had blockers, this, I had this, I maybe thought that I thought you had ace high and this, 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 and none of them connected like eight, having ace high and having blockers have nothing to do with each other. And that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I listen, uh, I get what you're saying. I, and I guess I don't want to keep going around and around about this. You're looking for coherency, and I'm saying that she didn't have the ability to be coherent. Even if even if she had a logical reason, I don't think she has the ability to be coherent in poker lingo because, again, only been playing a year. When you were dealing with me, and I was, and I had these these uh, let's say flaws in my logic, my poker logic. I had been playing long enough to where I had bullshit rationalizations that sounded very coherent. Now. I didn't realize they were bullshit at the time. You know, I look back at them and I realize, oh, no, this was this was a flaw, not just in my my poker logic, but it was a flaw in me as a human being not to be able to adjust and move on from uh, a flawed belief. So now we look at that. Like I said, I don't want to keep going around on it, but I don't think she has the ability to be able to coherently verbalize a thought process there. That being said, I think she's got plenty of money. She's got a good coach. Where she will be in a year or two from now should be significantly further than where she is now. And I think that to accuse her of cheating because she isn't capable of being coherent, that'd be like choosing to say that somebody cheated because I don't even know a good analogy here, because it would be like saying I was cheating at uh, golf because I couldn't explain why I hit the ball into the trees. Okay. Well, I, I know you don't want to harp on it, but I think that might get to the crux of some people's misunderstanding as to why they, they don't realize why Garrett was so confident in his accusation. And the analogy might be like getting pulled over by a police officer, because what I'm talking about, the, the logic and the cohesive argument doesn't apply to just the poker logic. It's 
it's it's all logic in general. So you get pulled over by a police officer and and you say, I was speeding because my wife's going to be late to work. So I need to pick her up and bring her to work. Like that makes sense. Okay. But if you say I was speeding because my wife's at work and my dog is sick and then uh, the vegetables that I got like are in the back, I went to the store and I bought groceries and it please like, okay, yeah, but do you need to give your wife a ride? Like what you just told me three different things that don't have anything to do with each other. I don't care about groceries in your car. So then it starts to feel suspicious and the police might say, well, can you step outside? And uh, I want to search for drugs. Like you're just rambling on. And it seems a lot like you're trying to hide something as opposed to you could be lying and you could lie really well. And your lie might not make sense from other people's point of view. They would say, well, just call an Uber, like don't risk speeding. But there's a difference between that and the other thing. You know how you said people espouse meaning to things that don't really have meaning? People people talk differently. There are people who can talk very coherently. There are people who can do that under any circumstances. And then there's people under nervous or stressful situations cannot put two words together that sound like they belong to I have a son. I, I love him to death, but every time he deals with the police, you, you brought it up, you know, every time he believe deals with the police, he tells his whole life story. Okay. Does that mean he's guilty of something? No, it, that's not the evidence. So I, I think that I think that you're giving meaning here to something that's really not that meaningful. Right. Know? It's difficult to do, but to be fair, what we what we have discovered in the course of human history is there's a pretty good correlation between people making rambling excuses and something else just kind of going on. Whether that means that they did something illegal or did something wrong or just trying to hide shame or embarrassment, it, they're two different stories. So again, it's hard to just listen to that and say, well, that definitely means she's cheating. I think the real unethical thing comes into play is when people say, well, she's the type of person who would cheat. Like, I don't know who she is. I know someone else who was following her before this hustle stream even happened. And so they, you know, she had a presence, an online presence, Instagram presence before that. And there are people out there who, who might say, well, just look at her. And like, she's the type of person that would go cheat. Now that is an unethical thing to say, whether you think it, it's sexist or not, whether, whether it was a man or a woman and you say, well, he looks like someone who could cheat, like just looking at someone and assuming that they would be doing something like, you know, illegal, unethical, or, or cheating just based on kind of your own perception of who they are. That is definitely the, the unethical part of it. All, all beautiful people cheat. Didn't you know that? I, that's why I always say you cheat. <laughs> no, you're right. That that's, I agree. That is unethical. Um, listen, I, I don't, I think that when it's all said and done here, what I would like is I would like people, and it's not going to happen. What I would like is not going to happen, but I would like people to stop jumping to conclusions and then being mean about their conclusion, you know, and, and that's really what I'm seeing. It's really doesn't help anybody. It doesn't come up with any answers. And if you say it, it's gotten like this. I, I remember before Joey interviewed Bryn um, on Twitter, I said, I'd like to hear his side of things. And I can't think of anybody better than you, Joey, to do it. That was my response when he asked if we, if he, if people wanted him to interview him. And I had somebody told me I was supporting a cheater and that I must be a cheater too. And that's the thought process there. Not, oh, well, yeah, let's, let's hear both sides and see. And that's the thought process that's going on in the poker Twitter world that is, it's disgusting, <laughs> you know? 
I don't support cheaters. I don't like cheaters. I believe the integrity of the game is deeply in jeopardy and we need to protect it. But I don't think acting like an asshole to people is protecting the integrity of the game. Right. And I think that some of the explanations that got thrown around were different than if it would have been like a man. And uh, I mean, specifically talking about like a a vibrating device. And so I know that was one well-watched video was, uh, hey, you know, she must have had this like vibrating device. Uh, You could just as easily like put that in your shoe. The assumptions that it would have been like inside of the person, it just was a little crazy to me. (laughs) So I don't know where that came from. And I don't want to imply that like people are sexist by saying that, but it seems like that was an excuse that people jumped to just because she's a woman. But like, if, uh, if a man made that crazy call, they, you know, people might be like, well, you could easily have like something hiding in your shoe. Well, so I have a question for you then. Are you interested as someone with an open mind in talking about maybe a logical way that she could have actually had access to information? Me? Am I interested? Well, first, I want to respond to something you said. I I am actually interested, but let's first, I want to respond to something like you said, you don't really want to imply that that people are being sexist. Well, I I have to say that we don't have to imply it because we go back to that preponderance of evidence. (laughs) And there's a preponderance of evidence that there's, there's sexism going on here. And that doesn't mean she's innocent when I say that, because I I hate that I got to keep qualifying everything I'm saying today, but I do. It doesn't mean she's innocent, but there is a preponderance of evidence that there's sexism within poker and that there's some sexism going on here. Because I've seen comments like, ah, she's innocent. He's just bitter. She's really hot. That, that Her being attractive or unattractive does not make her innocent or guilty. That's, that's sexism. <laughs> so what do you got about how it could have been done? Well, so before any of uh, Garrett's information came out, um, a couple of discussions I had with people was just that all electronic devices that emit a signal can be kind of hacked, essentially. And so it takes a a lot of money, uh, some skill and a lot of time maybe to do this. But you technically, or maybe not you, but people can like hack into their neighbor's Wi-Fi. Like there's ways to do that with Wi-Fi that maybe isn't super secure. And the casino itself, the casino's network might be extremely secure from any outside traffic, but potentially a live stream that's happening inside the walls of the casino where they're not as worried about maybe like someone hacking in to steal information in like a a personal information database that holds like employees information or, or company information. Like they're just trying to facilitate the live stream going back and forth. It potentially could have been on a, a weaker like network. And so we saw with Possel, I think that stream didn't even have a delay. And a lot of people had said, like, why would you run the stream live, actually live, not with like a 15 minute delay? And I don't even know if they had a reason for it, whatever, but it's just sometimes maybe things get overlooked. So if she potentially has access to the feed, then there's a way over time to hack it. And she had been playing that game for a super long time. So, you know, over the course of the the week or however many days they were there, they could have someone working in a crew, like in the background, who who finally cracked the code like that day. And uh, the thing is, that's a terrible hand. As you had already mentioned, if you had access to information, that's a terrible spot to go use it and be like, well, 
I've got the information. They're sending me the signals. I know I have the best hand. And so it, it just becomes like too risky if you have the information. But again, if we say, well, if they're not super high level criminals, because if they're, if they're maybe just trying to pull some amateur stuff in the only stream that they think that they have access to, then uh, maybe they are not thinking far enough ahead. And so if you are maybe a little egotistical and you want to beat Garrett with a sick, nasty bluff and then show everyone and you raise the turn expecting him to fold and then he shoves all in and you're like, oh, oh shoot. I just like lit 30K on fire trying to bluff Garrett and I know I still have the best hand. So like, I guess I have to call now and <laughs> hope it runs out well. And so I am open to both sides because I can see a way in like the crazy kind of movie script heist version where like, let's say there's another high level player out there who, who feels like they can crush that game. They, they feel like they could beat Garrett at his own game that he's maybe playing exploitively for these higher stakes, but that player will never get invited. Like, I don't think Fader Holtz is ever getting invited to play on like the hustler live stream. I don't know. That, uh, that's so, a real poor example. Well, okay, so yeah, well, I don't, I don't know who to use. But, but well, he's a there's... tournament player. He's a tournament player, and and in a tournament, he's going to whoop Garrett's ass. It, it, but hey, well, a, in a cash game, Garrett's going to over time. Garrett's going to beat him. <laughs> well, all, all I'm saying is like there are probably people out there that are not getting the invite to go play. And so, how do you go take advantage of your your read that you have? You maybe go contact someone to work with. Like, who would you contact to work with? Maybe the person who doesn't have a long history on that stream and maybe is like a newcomer. So if I had to write like the script of, of how it worked, that, that would maybe be my version is that someone else who's like a super high level crusher got in contact and then was like, hey, I'm going to hire someone to hack some information. And then you just need to wear this like transmitter that's going to relay the signal. And then once we finally get the information, we're going to send you through a, a device tied to your your toe and your shoe or whatever. And then uh, she finds herself in the spot where she uh, maybe makes a mistake because it's a lot of money and she's on table and she thinks the bluff is going to get through when she raises and it doesn't. And then she just has to call. Yeah, I, I well, um, first of all, you have how much evidence of this? This is None, just but... this is all just. This is all just what if, right? It, I think it's, it's very probable, though. Plausible. Think I think it's plausible. Though. Okay, that, that I was going to say, I'd be careful with probable. I, it's very plausible. plausible. All right. Um, I don't know how plausible it is because with the Mike Possible situation, people were able to, his, his alleged uh, conspirator was able to see the hand and then give him the information. Whereas in this case, you're talking about a delayed stream and you have to be able to have the same frequency RFID reader. And you also have to have a computer that is going to be able to take and interpret that signal. All right. It's not just, oh, the signal says this. You, the, there's a computer to interpret that signal and say, oh, they have jack of clubs and four of another suit. All right. Yeah. So, but what do you potentially think it would cost to do that and how much do you think you'd need to give a casino employee who might have access to that information and do you think you would eventually profit playing in a game with that much money on the table all right so uh, you know what I, I mean? think i think you'd probably could profit in one stack off that's yeah. my opinion that being said um i wouldn't even begin to have a clue because i don't think that way i think about uh, and i should because 
Um, I'm probably real easy to cheat because I don't think about how to cheat. I think about how to keep the game. I, I just don't. I don't even know how to respond to it. But I think that while that might be a plausible way, I don't think it's as easy as a lot of people think it is. I hope I'm right when I say that. I could be wrong. Again, I, wh- one of the things I do know about myself is that I don't know. I don't know. This might come out that Robbie cheated and Garrett was 100% right and everything he said is is correct. Or it could come out that she's innocent. And I don't know which way it's going to go. What I do know is that I'm not going to be mean to people in the meantime. <laughs> you know, And I'm not going to take and say that something that isn't evidence is evidence. What you, Everything you just said there, it's not evidence, right? It, it's it's plausible. It's a possibility. It, it It's something that might possibly happen or might have possibly happened, but it's not evident. It, it's your musings on how it could be done. Right. Uh, I think, though, mostly what is going on with the discussions is a lot of this, well, here what here's what was said by these people in the past. Here's what uh, maybe... Uh, happened with these with these three people that Garrett is now listing as like part of the the ring that are working together. And I admit, like it is all very super sketchy. And honestly, though, probably more plausible than my like heist scenario. And in reality, like when you get into Garrett's most recent statement, I don't know if anyone if you haven't read it, it is worth like a decent read if you're if you're interested in the uh, the confrontation that's going on. But there's a there's a lot of stuff they pull out of uh, out of streams and feeds and interviews that that really are are pretty uh, sketchy. Um, I want to wind this down, uh, mostly because, you know, as much as I like you, Jordan, I want to go have dinner with my wife. But what I what I'll say is that I don't I don't disagree that, you know, there can be some things that can be perceived as sketchy. And one of the things that we can help ourselves in the poker world is to not put ourselves in those positions. If you don't want to be judged as a cheater. But I, I think that what happens in the poker world, it happens in life. And actually, I, I don't think this. I'm saying think, but it's it's a reality of what happens. And there was studies done on this. And I wish I knew the uh, the names of the studies that were done so I could say them here. But I don't have them off the top of my head. But in these studies, people were tested to see if they formed an opinion first or if they looked at facts first and then formed an opinion. And human nature is to form an opinion and then look for the facts that support that opinion. Okay, that's what most of us do, and I th- and that's what I'm seeing happen here. People are not looking at the facts and saying, "Here are the facts. Let me form an opinion." And I just I'm tired of it. <laughs> I'm tired of this whole BS. I, I don't. I can't watch. I, I I like Joey. I like Joey Ingram. I like like him. Like him a lot. I think he. I think poker needs him. But uh, I can't watch 12 hours of him doing a stream on this crap. Right. The problem is there's just never going to be the facts in poker. And so even with Possel, like as obvious as you say it was or or how much evidence you say there was, there really was no fact that can prove it. And, you know, he went through a court case and they they eventually said, um, you know, we're going to settle and we'll pay this much money. They had a, a class action and everyone who claimed to have like played on that stream with him was was given like $517 back or something in this one class action suit. And like, he, he's not in jail. He didn't get convicted for a fraud or anything because there really are no facts. And even with a situation as maybe obvious as possible, there's no way then to hold that person accountable in the legal system. 
So you have to hold that person accountable in the poker world. And part of the way to do that is through the community. And one thing we need to then do as the poker community is make sure we're doing it in kind of a respectful manner, at least saying, well, there's enough evidence here to accuse you of cheating. And then maybe you don't get invited to any of these games ever again. And sure, their life is, might be ruined as far as their poker career. But if they're not in jail, I mean, whatever, they can go play a different game. They can go, you know, do something else with their lives. But that's really just the only way to do it in the poker world when you think that someone is doing something uh, untowards like that. So then what w- the question then becomes like, are the right people in the right places to hold everyone accountable uh, so that we're not just like targeting people for no reason and then throwing these accusations around there for no reason? And I think this situation, given the information that has come out, there's enough to warrant it. I don't think that Robbie's being targeted and unfairly now, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think she's being unfairly targeted by all this. I think what happened was suspicious enough that that people are looking into it. Yeah. All right. So I do want to mention a couple things um, before we shut down here, because um, like when you're looking at legal situations, like there were facts in in the Possel case. Um, there were facts on, you know, there was, you know, Veronica real saying that things aren't clear here, which is not really a fact. That's her opinion. But it was she had she was a reputable person to be able to come out and say, this is what's going on here. You know, and you had the fact that, you know, he plays with his phone up on the the, the side going along, going along. And suddenly now it's in his lap and suddenly his win rate is off the charts when the phone goes in his lap. OK, so there were facts. What happened in that is you had judges that did not comprehend <laughs> poker you know they didn't comprehend you know and that's one of the problems you have in proving cheating in a legal situation in poker so when when you look at things legally you either have uh these facts that prove you're guilty or a preponderance of evidence that r- removes a reasonable doubt and that's when you're talking criminal when you're talking civil you don't need to remove reasonable doubt. <laughs> you know, when you're talking civil, it becomes a more likely than not situation. So a preponderance of evidence is more than enough. If you had a judge that was able to understand poker and say, well, wait a minute. Yeah, this is this is obviously shady going on. So um, so when you look at it, I guess I guess I'm going to have to concede. You've had to concede to me in past that I I was right about something. And I guess that you're right that the only way that we do control uh, cheating is is through the community. Really, you're right. Um, I don't like that. I don't like that because I think it because the reason I don't like that is this, Um, you know, Jordan Sweet's a cheat. (laughs) You know, I I got proof. I got evidence. Okay, where's your evidence? Uh, No, no, it'll come later. Don't you worry. I'm going to put out a report. (laughs) You know, yeah. And anybody could do that, right? Is that is that all right? Uh, Right. That's my point. Is like as long as we have the right people at the helm, which I think means that's why it's important to to have the discussions in the way that we do. And you know, I've I've said like I'm not a super huge fan of some of the YouTube stuff out there, and. I'm not a super huge fan of some of the YouTube stuff out there. And maybe some of Doug Polk's videos, I think, are a bit like clickbaity. But there are other people out there who are, you know, posting interviews and just being fairly factual about what's going on. They're just kind of stating this is what I I see. And maybe it doesn't prove anything, but they're not implying 
stuff, like you said. Uh, but w- as far as a report coming out, like you can be very thorough in your report. And um, I think it's interesting to note that she, that Robbie admits that she'll take a um, polygraph test. And, you know, there's some questions they can ask there as far as like, you know, what happened in the back room? Like, did, is, did you, who, who offered to give the money back? Like all these things, and that can all go into report and then we can all look at it and just make our decisions for ourselves. But yeah, at, at the end of the day, like it doesn't actually prove one way or another. Yeah, I, I got news for you. I would never take a polygraph test, no matter how innocent I was. But like they they have been proven to be so, I mean, you can't even use them in court, okay? You can't use them as evidence. Yeah, the funny part is, is you can use the evidence that somebody didn't want to take a polygraph, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but they're not, they're not very reliable, um, you know? So, yeah, I think that her saying that is interesting and I don't think it'll ever really happen. And, um, you know, her willingness to do it doesn't make her innocent because sociopaths have been shown to be able to beat um, polygraphs. And I am not saying she's a sociopath. I don't know. I don't know her. But you can beat polygraphs and um, you can also you can also be falsely accused by a polygraph. The that's a good point to make, though, is. It's been shown that sociopaths can beat a polygraph because what a polygraph does is it looks for like stress levels that Im- imply that what your brain is doing is trying to hide information. And the sociopath is just, they don't care. And what they think they're doing is actually right. And so like a polygraph doesn't ask you, Hey, did you do this crime? And then the person says like, yes or no, like a, a sociopath will think, well, what I did was not a crime. Like I, I did something that I thought was, was right in my own mind. So when they answer the question, there's not like a rise in stress level they take. Right. So I, th- I think that's funny. Like, yeah, polygraphs are an interesting thing. Cause they, uh, they essentially will get down to identifying that someone is trying to hide information, but they can't give you the answer on what that person is trying to hide. Exactly. All right. So this, this is, uh, this has been enjoyable. I never want to talk about the Jack forehand again. Um, I refuse to ever talk about it again. Um, if we have to do another episode that has anything to do with the Jack forehand again, uh, you and Christine can cover it. <laughs> and uh, do you have anything to add before we go, Jordan? No, I do not. Have a good uh, rest of your week. <laughs> you too, sir. All right. <laughs> this has been The Blind Stealing the Blinds a weekly poker podcast for students of the game by students of the game. When you're not stacking your chips, please feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Recommend the show to your favorite donkey, fish, or whale, and head over to tbstv.com support to show the crew some love. Until next week, stick to the plan, and may all your variants be positive. <laughs>